Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Touchdown Rundown. It's a Tuesday night. We're here to talk to you about the NFL, but more specifically, the Zelo model. Tony, uh, you have posed as a listener, so you can ask kind of questions about what the Zelo model is since it's new to the call-in platform. Our listeners to the podcast, the Touchdown Rundown, uh, and other shows might be a little bit more familiar with it. But since it's a new audience, we thought we might as well give you an overview of what the model is. So why don't you ask the first question, Tony? All right. So first of all, why don't why don't we just go over kind of what the Zelo model is, how it came to be? Uh, I know we're probably going to have quite a few listeners from Spotify and all the other platforms we've already been doing Touchdown Rundown on. But being as we are a new uh, getting onto a new platform, let's just start right from the beginning. Yeah, great idea. So the Zelo model is actually a model that's based off of 538's Elo model. So how Elo works is um, it takes the results of a win or loss for an NFL team and weights them according to the strength of the two respective teams and then improves team A. Let's let's say team A won and was favored. Team A then gets an increase and team B sees a decrease because they lost. Or if team A was an underdog and beat team B, team A will see a more dramatic increase uh, then Team B and Team B will see a more dramatic decrease than in the other scenario. It points uh, the the margin of victory also matters in that res- uh, in the respective transaction of points. But basically, what I thought is, well, that seem that's a really interesting concept. But why are we just doing teams? Because a team is not the same game to game. If Russell Wilson is you know playing as he was was playing in Week Five. That's a very different Seattle team than week six, but the 538's ELO model can't detect that. So I thought, why can't we do that and try to see the value of all the different players that may constitute a roster on the NFL? And that's kind of what gave birth to. All right. Awesome. So kind of, I guess, when did, when did this all start? I know you did it last year. Do you remember what week you started last year? I know it wasn't right at the beginning. It's been a work in progress since. Yeah, so Tony's absolutely right. I did not start week one. I wish I had started week one. Um, but once I kind of got the idea, it took a long time to build it into Excel. So I started more earnestly in week five. I made my first prediction in week four, and then moved on from week five. So it, Tony's absolutely right. It did. All right. And how how has it kind of progressed since then? Obviously, when you first started out, it's not going to be, you know, super accurate. If as I recall, at the end of last year, it was actually pretty good, predicted the Super Bowl uh, correctly, which was awesome. Uh, how has it kind of you know gotten more accurate this year as opposed to last year? Yeah, so last year, Tony's right, it did end uh, at, I believe, around the 70, 72% accuracy per game. It did predict the Super Bowl correctly, which I was thrilled about because it really did feel kind of like Tampa Bay was an underdog going into the Super Bowl, and I felt like I was in I was a little uneasy when I made that prediction, but, but you know, about five minutes into the game, I felt kind of confident once I saw how the game was going to progress. Um, but yeah, it, it's gotten more accurate uh, this season. We'll get into it a little bit. I used fantasy projections to go into the season. Um, so I, it's been trending at about 65 to 70% accuracy, but last week it did only miss two games. I believe that was the Las Vegas Raiders, the Broncos game, and then it missed uh, Titans and Buffalo Bills, but it did have the Titans covering the spread, so I'm a little bit happy. Awesome. So you said you used uh, projections to start out the season. Obviously, uh, the Zelo model goes off of stats for every player. So, you know, right in week one, you don't have any stats to go off of, so that's why, you know, use these projections. So what made you want to uh, switch from using projections to real stats after this past week? Yeah, so for those not familiar, 
um, we used the ESPN fantasy projections for offensive players, but then their defensive projections weren't very good. So we decided to use CBS's because they had pretty solid uh, projections on the defensive side of the ball. And the reason I decided to change from week five to week six is one week five was consistently accurate at about that 70%, 65% threshold. But I felt confident once I had a, accrued a decent sample size because the model essentially works on a law of averages. And so, like, for example, Green Bay had a really bad week one game. They looked like a really bad team. But I think most people listening and most people who follow football would say that Green Bay is not actually that bad of a team. Whereas the Saints looked really, really good after week one. So if I had gone into week two and said, the Saints are going to be phenomenal and the Packers are going to be really bad and use those week one stats, I would have been completely wrong because, you know, obviously the Packers won in week two and the Saints lost in week two to the Panthers. So I needed, uh, I wanted more time to get more results under my belt because again, you know, another team, Buffalo would have looked really bad after their Pittsburgh loss. But I was pretty confident that most people had projected where Buffalo was going to be at correctly. So I decided to stick with projected uh, stats and keep it going until about week five or six when I would have started using the actual model. Uh, the Okay, cool. Is that going to be uh, something that you continue? Like, let's say next year, are you going to want to aim for about week five or six? Or do you think it's going to vary just kind of depending on, you know, how many fluky games are at the beginning of the season? I would say that the aim is going to be week five in the future. I had thought it might be week, it might've been week four, but because we had those, the really chaotic week one, I decided that I was going to kick it back to week five until I felt really confident. And to be honest, when the model gave me game one of this week and said it was going to be the Jaguars, I was not at all confident in turning it over and almost went back uh, to the, to the projected model. But I'm glad I decided to stay the course and go with the, the current updated model because it did actually get that one. Yeah, good job to that. The model actually outpicked me this week, I think, for the first time this year. Uh, is the model based solely off of stats, or are there any other metrics that you use for each player? Uh, yeah, so I do use stats, but a thing that is important is, like I was talking about with Russell Wilson earlier in, in the episode, is availability, right? If you're injured or you're put on IR, I remove you from what the model is counting. But no, beyond statistics, I don't input anything. And I kind of wish I had a way to, to calculate coaches. And that's something Tony and I have talked about at great length. But unfortunately, it's really hard to determine the, the value of a coach. I had thought that the Raiders were going to lose going into this week because they didn't have John Gruden, as everybody probably knows. But they obviously they came out and played against Denver really, really well. So I would like to be able to kind of come up with a way to, to measure other things outside of just stats. But as of right now, no, it only measures stats. And then if you're available for a given game. Okay, very fair. Uh, four games, kind of like, for example, we talked about the Packers week one, looked absolutely terrible. The Saints rolled over them very easily. It was just a really off game. It seems like every team at some point or another has one of those really terrible off games. The best teams always do it. The Bucks last year had that game or Patrick Mahomes who like 400 yards in the first quarter on them. Just very uncharacteristic games. Is there going to be a way or is there a way that you can kind of take out a week for each team just so that the results aren't skewed too badly? In the future, I do hope to be able to do that. But as of right now, I only use football reference and football reference does not allow you to pick and choose the stats for a team from um, a given season and then just remove a game. So no, as of right now, because like you said, everybody kind of has a bad game. I'm just going to assume that they, they all cancel out at some point down the road. Like if everybody has a bad game, then, you know, 
the the numbers should even out for everyone. Okay, it makes sense. What's been the uh, so far the hardest position or I guess position group to account for accurately statistically? Oh, it's hands down the offensive lineman. I I just don't think anyone could actually adequately give me information that tells me how good an offensive lineman is at his position because, you know, the center is so different from the guard and the tackle and so on that it just makes it impossible to tell. Um, the only real metric I've seen that football reference is able to use is obviously the their snaps, both on offensive, defensive, and special teams, um, and then their penalties accrued. And then I also throw in sacks. That way it kind of penalizes the, the Seahawks offensive line versus maybe the Chiefs. Okay, yeah, that's definitely been – I know we've talked at pretty decent length about that and trying to figure out how do we get this offensive line accurately accounted for in here just because we've looked at every website and the stats just aren't carried uh, for these offensive lines in pretty much any capacity other than snaps, like you said. Uh, how much better do you see the model – getting like what is what is your goal for consistently you know getting like what is it 75 percent seven yeah i think a dream figure if i'm being realistic would be 80 percent. it's just getting rid of it's finding a way to fine tune some of the 50 50 games and predict them a little bit more accurately so far through the season i think i i may have done that because again the model last year did not have a week where it only picked two games incorrectly um, it, it did get pretty close to that mark, but I think it is getting more accurate because I'm spending more time developing it, paying attention to IR, uh, listments, trades, trying to keep injuries up to date in the model. So I think it's getting more accurate. I don't know how much more accurate it, it can get beyond starting to use more advanced statistics, like you said, for the offensive linemen. But I, I think it takes into account a lot of things that other people don't when they're making their selections. Okay. And uh, I know you're talking about trying to keep more up to date with the, you know, IR injuries, trades, all that good stuff. How much time does it take per week to update the model? That depends on the week, to be honest. I, I spent all day today from about 10 to 6 updating the model today just because it t- you're inputting stats for all 32 teams or, you know, depending on how many teams have a buy, 30 to 32 teams. So you do spend a lot of time doing that. And then obviously, yeah, I'm updating this thing daily to reflect injuries to see um, based on who's coming in from IR, who's coming out of IR, trades. Um, and then, you know, as information like Christian McCaffrey, he's somebody that gets kind of toggled in and out of the model pretty much daily because he's just he's so up in the air as to how far his injuries go. So I would say it t- it's very time consuming and it takes, I'd say, three hours every day on average, given that some days it's taking six hours and some days it's taking. a whole lot of time there i'm glad you're doing it more than i am uh how do you account for rookies that have just been drafted uh obviously there's going to be projections for them but those have to be the least accurate of any of them nobody really knows how especially these big rookie quarterbacks are going to be able to transition into the league so is there a different process to use for them or do you just trust the projections no absolutely you're absolutely right those have been by far the worst projections of anything i've ever seen uh A great example of that would be Trevor Lawrence. I believe he came into the season projected around, and Tony's going to get a kick out of this um, because his his take is famously Trevor Lawrence is going to bust. And he looks, he doesn't look wrong, let's just put it that way, going uh, thus far through the season. Uh, Lawrence was supposed to be, I believe, valued at 150 points um, or 200 points even, and is only valued 
at less than 90. So he's probably around at 85%. He's a 90% passer, but then he has a, about a minus seven rating as a rusher. So that means he has a lot of fumbles, not a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of yards, um, and is, is worse and less effective as a rusher. There are some quarterbacks, you know, most notably Lamar, Kyler, who are very valuable as rushers, and in some seasons have been more valuable as rushers than there are passers. So yeah. Rookie projections are not very good. I don't have a good way of accounting for them, and I'm just going to trust that the experts know how to do their Okay, and uh, you kind of got into the point system there that each player gets. So uh, I know that each player in the model gets a pretty much a point number that they are worth to the team. It's all combined. That's how the team gets their numbers. So why don't you explain kind of like uh, quarterbacks specifically are obviously going to be valued the highest. They're the most important position on the field. How does the model do the point system? How is it like what you kind of said that Trevor was supposed to be like 150? What what was like Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers last year? Like who are those top guys and what are their point values for reference? Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great point, Tony. So for reference, uh, Mahomes and Rodgers were both about 300 points, if I recall correctly. So they obviously they have a big weight on the field. That kind of is the theme is that the quarterbacks are weighted the most. Then running backs, surprisingly, running backs are incredibly value uh, valuable. Derrick Henry is off the charts in terms of his value. He's more valuable than most quarterbacks in the league right now, according to the model. He has a value of 273.79, which is just kind of off the charts when you really think about it, uh, considering the fact that he's just a running back. But That is just how dramatic of an impact he has. He's more valuable than Ryan Tannehill, his quarterback, who's only valued at 79.2 as a passer. Uh, but yeah, so like you said, how do these work? Basically, I I kind of look at each position and I think, what's the most important statistic that I can get? For example, with running backs, you have like, what's their longest reception? What's their longest uh, carry? I discard things like that because I don't think they're that important. So I look at their attempts, their yards, their touchdowns, uh, targets and receptions, respectively, and and just weight them all to, uh, to how I see fit. Okay, awesome. So uh, I know that you have it set up so that each each division is broken up appropriately. It's not just one big jumbled mess of teams. So, you know, when you're going into these projections in the early, like, let's say the off season, right before the season starts, you're using those projections. How much information does the model spit out at you? Is it just like, here's a rating? Does it give like, uh, here's a win loss? Does it give more information than yeah, so it gives me a win-loss for sure. It gives me, um, you know, I can break it down by grouping. So I can break down their offensive grouping, their defensive grouping, even their special teams grouping. Um, you know, those do those do end up fluctuating a lot differently because obviously, you know, it's not 100% accurate, those projections. Uh, but then it, it does give me, I can create a way so that I can actually see a potential playoff bracket. Um, it allows me to see individual games because I program each individual game. That's part of one of the things I have to update every week is changing around, uh, what games I'm looking at for this week. So I can see them in a bigger picture and see the percentages a little bit better, calculate the spread for each game. Um, but yeah, it gives me a lot of information, gives me a lot of very organized information. And as you know, we grow the touchdown rundown, I hope to use our Twitter, um, to kind of share some of that information with the listeners so they can get a bit of an inside look at how the process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'd be awesome. So it, it it spits out that playoff bracket right from the beginning. What's the playoff bracket looking like now? Like who's who's the model saying right now if we were to go into the postseason, who is it predicting would go into the Super Bowl? 
I don't like this one right now, and the only reason I feel comfortable saying it is just because these teams have looked really good in the past couple of weeks. Right now, it would be the Baltimore Ravens representing the AFC and the Dallas Cowboys representing the NFC. Again, I would say that's very subject to change. About this time last year, I believe it had um, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming out of the AFC because they had looked phenomenal on defense, and nobody had quite figured out their offense yet. Um, and it probably still had the Dallas Cowboys because this would have been right around the time that Dak would have been injured. Um, and then it probably would have defaulted to the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I suppose that one did come true. But my, my point is, it's, we're still a very long way off from the model getting all the information. Yeah, for sure. Is there, you know, you're, you're obviously you can look at the uh, model right now. I wish we had a way to share, like, I guess your screen would be awesome so we could all see it. But are there any teams right now that are in there that just look outrageous that you just are automatically right now predicting might fall off or teams that should be there that aren't? Yeah, there are a few. So right now the AFC, the Denver Broncos are in seventh, which I expect them to fall off. I would assume they'll be replaced with the Chiefs because right now the Chiefs are absent from the postseason. Keep in mind, it's about by half a game. And if they had not lost Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their running back, they probably would be a much stronger team overall. But they actually have the the weakest rating by a few points in the AFC West, which feels really surprising because it's not very long ago I I wrote a column about Chiefs um, Chiefs Rams being in the Super Bowl. Um, over in the NFC, I would say the team I expect to leave is the Vikings. Now, the Vikings, according to the model, win the NFC North. But keep in mind, that's that's another one. It's a very close race. It's by about half of a game. And I also think that the Packers, they currently sit as the sixth seed uh, in the NFC. I would anticipate them moving up to take that spot from the Vikings. The only reason they're not already there is because, like I said, they had a really poor performance in week one. Uh, the last team I think that probably will be there is, is are the New Orleans Saints, just because their margin of error, according to the model, is very small. They have only a few points, point of the game, because I used multiple simulations of each season. Um, they only have by a point five of a game advantage over the next team. So I just don't see them as being a very strong playoff. Yeah, absolutely. And we still have so much time left to go. So many things can still change by the time the postseason rolls around. Uh, I know we're talking about how each player is kind of assigned a point value. So would you say that the model would be a pretty good way to kind of get an MVP race prediction going? Yeah, I would. Last year, the three most valuable players were Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, um, and then Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was more valuable than Patrick Mahomes, I believe. Uh, and then Derrick Henry was somewhere in that mix as well. So I do think it's actually a very good system to give out awards. You do have to kind of eyeball some of the results, though, and say this isn't totally accurate because, you know, there are obviously interceptions that are very close to, you know, not being an interception or it's kind of wacky. But the model doesn't really differentiate between those interceptions. So that is a problem that I think might bear work, uh, you know, might be worth looking into, but at the end of the day, yes, I think it is actually a very good way to give. Okay, great. So when we're talking about how the model's doing prediction wise, it's predicting, you know, somewhere ballpark 70%. Uh, what, let's kind of get a reference for how good that is. I know we have been, you and I and the model and all of the ESPN analysts have been doing kind of, uh, a running competition to see who can predict the most games properly throughout the season. So where does the model sit amongst everybody, you know, you, me, the ESPN guys, uh, where does it sit there? Is it at the top, top three, at the bottom? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And this is a great time to bring that up. Tony and I do track ourselves. Um, the model ranks second. It's currently tied with Tony. The tiebreaker, of course, is week one because that was consistently the worst week for everyone thus far through the season. If you look at average uh, picks, most people had a low score in week one. So Tony and I said, hey, you know, we can throw that out on like the model as we talked about earlier. So let's throw out the, the poor week one performance and the model would actually, I believe, take the lead. If you throw out week one entirely, it wouldn't take the lead if you throw out week one entirely. So it is incredibly accurate. It caught a lot of people up uh, this weekend by going 12 and two. So I, I anticipate it will catch a few more people as it, you know, as it climbs to one. It- awesome. I would love to see this thing go to number one. I know you've put a lot of work into it. It's been phenomenal what it's done so far. Uh, I know we've, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how does it pick just straight up pick the game? So the money line, if you're better. Uh, it's picking the money line. How does it, have you figured out a way to get the spread in there? Does it give like a percentage win and based off of that kind of like a point uh, win differential and how accurate has that been? Yes. So it does indeed give both a money line prediction and a spread prediction. I've not figured out an over under. I've definitely tried. It's not consistent enough to, to work, to be worth sharing. Um, the over uh, the the spread is a, is a separate equation from the money line. The money line is just the two teams' ratings plus if they have a home game or a bye week because those have both been shown by five thirty eight to be significant boosters in a team's chance of winning. So those are given um, some consideration. Uh, so that would be how the money line is picked, and then the spread is a separate equation entirely. Uh, the money line, as Tony said, excluding week one, it picks. Um, it picked 68% in week two, 68% in week three, 62.5% in week four, which was considered to be one the second worst week after week one, um, then 75% in week five, and then 85% in week one. Um, with week one, that averages to be about a 67% pick rate. Uh, without week one, that is more like, I believe, 70 to 72%. Um, but yeah, there, there are different ways to get different information for Okay, and has it been, I mean, I'm assuming the money line is going to be more accurate than the spread predictions. Uh, have you kept different uh, kind of, I guess, records for each of them, or are you just sticking with the money line? Uh, I do keep records of both. I don't really volunteer the spread. Up until week five and six, it performed incredibly poorly. It, it was uh, six and ten for weeks one through four, and then week five, it went eight and eight, and then week six, it went eight and six, so... It's it's okay. It's not very good um, o- overall, but the past two weeks it has gotten better as I think more data comes. All right. Well, that's kind of the basics for the model. Is there anything else you want to share, Tom? Because that's all the questions that I have for you. No, I think you did a really good job. If any of the listeners want in, just let us know. You can do that thanks to the incredible technology of Colin. Um, but unless somebody vo- uh, volunteers to call in, we're going to co- kind of continue on talking about uh, we do ha- indeed have a caller. Hey guys, um, first time listener, but um, loving the show so far. Uh, really appreciate all the information. I I, I just I, I I was kind of t- thinking about the model and exactly how you would predict um, s- sort of future stack with like teams that have a lot of rookies, um, like preseason projections and stuff like that. Is that something you take into account at all? Or do you use college models, any of that stuff? 
I have indeed thought about using college models, but unfortunately it's just so inconsistent from league to league. I think Trevor Lawrence is a great example of that. This is, I believe that the stat has been thrown out that he lost four games in total in both college and the pros, and he lost five already in the NFL. So it's just very hard to tell the transition. So that's kind of why you have to rely on the information that comes from ESPN's fantasy. That totally makes sense. I know. Yeah, I know that's a tricky one for a lot of people to project out because those college numbers are very noisy. But um, no, I'm looking forward to using the model on on some of my gambling picks. I've been on a real cold streak, but I I think this could turn my luck around. Yeah, no, I I think it's very helpful. It it picks better than me. I really don't know how to feel about that. There are days that I'm just like, how is an Excel spreadsheet beating you? And then there are days where I feel like Dr. Frankenstein, like I brought this to life. Um, But (laughs) yeah, it definitely helps me with with picks too. I, I would be a little yeah you gotta just take it out of your hands it's, that's what i found at least I don't, I, or or i'll fade myself this week those are the two options either trust the excel sheet or just whatever i think <laughs> yeah there are definitely weeks i need to fade myself too uh tony cannot really say the same he's, he's pretty good at picking these games lately um but yeah if do you have any other questions no that's it um i'm sure i'll have a more in future eps but uh no i appreciate yeah, absolutely. We're glad to have you on here. Um, uh, all right, so Tony, what was the first question you want to get to is kind of get more specifically into the week six reactions so that we've gotten the base. Oh, uh, well, so now that we've kind of gone through week six, this has kind of been, this was my poor week for sure when I was picking uh, all of my games. Uh, I don't remember exactly how I did, but I know it wasn't great. I know. Uh, I guess my Big question is kind of how much longer do we see the Cardinals going on this win streak for? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, to answer your first one, you went nine and five, which I like how you're like nine and five is my down week. Yeah, that's a really horrible down week, Tony. I feel so it's just so bad for me. I know I'm only number two. I could be number one. <laughs> I feel so bad. Let me let me break out my tiny tiny violin. Um, <laughs> so right now the model. Um, is very high on the Cardinals because go figure they've put out some truly insane numbers. Um, it thinks that they're worst, their their best chance to lose. Uh, it would have been when they played the Rams, obviously, but next would be in Week Nine when they play the Forty ers again, um, and then all the way in Week Fourteen, which is kind of crazy that they just they look so good. I would again anticipate that as the season moves on, you know, they're going to change, but their best. Their next best chance to lose would be in week 14. And then they're actually favored to lose week 17 because they play the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys are just an unstoppable juggernaut thus far through the season. Well, it's not the answer I was hoping for. I was really hoping you'd say whatever week they play the Packers. I know it's coming up in the next couple weeks here. Uh, I know that the – does the model really give any reasons as to why a team is either better or worse than – kind of projected i know like for example the washington football team miami dolphins those are a couple names that come to mind when you think of teams that had a lot of hype that have just been really disappointing this year does the model have any explanation for that or is it just kind of saying what um i mean it can it, it reacts to the information it's given right so it would tell you that this team was expected to get this many interceptions and this many sacks they have failed to live up to that and then it could identify potential weak spots on the roster 
Um, I know that the, in the instance of the Miami Dolphins, like the reason they were so bad last week is because they are missing uh, two of their star corners, Xavier and Howard. Um, but it would also say that Xavier Howard has actually underperformed where he was expected to be. Now he's a 47.52, but last season he was, you know, a 60. So that, you know, that's one reason that they don't look quite as good. Um, you have another player in Byron Jones. He supposed he was supposed to be fairly good, but again, he is only a 29. So you can see where other pr- players have dropped off based on their prior. Okay. And does the, uh, does the model give any kind of, I guess, credit for strength of schedule? I know if we're looking at the NFC West over here, we got the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks aren't necessarily a bad team, even though they're two and four. They just play really, really tough opponents. Same can be said for the Niners, who are two and three. Uh, they just they don't have an easy schedule like some of these other teams do. So does the model kind of give them a point boost for that because they are a good team or does it just say you lost? So you're getting, you're going to get really knocked down. So that's something I actually really love about the model. And at the same time, very much just like about the model. Um, It's, it's interesting. So the idea when I created this was not all losses are created equal, right? Like if I lose by 40, I was clearly the worst team and that should kind of be reflected. But if I lose by two points because someone kicked a field goal, like if you're, you know, if if you're the lions and you, um, you know, Justin Tucker kicks a record long 66 yard field goal, you're just like, you know what? Probably should have won that one. Um, the, the Zillow model is, is, does not really care about win losses and it just cares about your statistical output. So it does not punish a team for losing a game, nor does it reward a team for winning a game. It's just going to purely and objectively look at how you're performing from, you know, a statistical standpoint and will reward you accordingly. So like if you're a good team, like if you're the 49ers and right now you are in some people's eyes, the third best team in the NFC West, there's a good chance that, you know, it's going to reflect that you're a good team by your Zillow score and how you play outside of your own. Okay, so then I guess my next question has to be, when you're looking at different teams, you said not all wins and not all losses are created the same. So uh, up until this past week when the Packers played the Chicago Bears, I know there was a stat going around that the Packers were actually the only 4-1 team that had a negative point differential. So they were actually been outscored overall by their opponents, but they were still 4-1. Uh, that's changed this week. They're now plus 8 and 5-1. and one. But last week, was it really knocking them off because their wins were very, very narrow? Or was it just just saying, you know, this is a 4-1 team, so they're really good? Um, so I think it's almost like a little bit of an in-between. It was not – it did not care about their, uh, their plus-minus, right? That's not something that it really considers. It's not going to consider the plus-minus. It's just going to look at the performance of Aaron Rodgers. So it might have been a little bit less optimistic on Aaron Rodgers than it, that would, than it would be in prior seasons because of that Saints loss. Um, but it still had the Packers winning the game against the Bears and had them win, doing so by a fairly respectable margin. So I don't think it actually is concerned about plus-minus. And just it had them as a good team but not as a great team because, again, that week one loss really Okay, and how, I guess, how long after, let's use the Packers again, for example, they just absolutely got blown out. Rodgers looked terrible. Everybody looked off. The defense was awful. How many games, how many good games does it take to kind of offset a bad game like that? And does it kind of depend on where that bad game in is this, is at in the season? Like, is it is it more is it more hurtful if it's like right at the beginning or right at the end? Yeah, that's a really good question, Tony. Um, I would say that, 
the earlier on in the schedule a bad game comes in, that's going to be when it's at its most devastating in the model's eyes. Because if you have a bad week one score, you're going to have a bad score for the rest of the season. Whereas if it comes in week 17, or as I suppose it now is week 18, because we have that 17th game, if it comes in week 18, the model does not care about it because you are likely to have 17 good games come before it. But if it comes in week one where the model has no priors, then yeah, it's going to appear more problematic. So I would say the earlier on it comes, um, you know, the more devastating it is in the model's eyes. And then I would say it doesn't take, it, it takes, it, I guess it would depend on the quality of your win, right? Like if you have a really good win, then it would probably offset in just one or two. Like if the, the Ravens came out and had a horrible game, it would probably be offset by the fact that they just destroyed the Chargers. Whereas, you know, the Packers have had five good wins, but none of them were really dominating the other opponent. That's why you haven't really seen it be offset as fast as I would like. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. They None of the wins have been very dominant. It's been a whole lot like last year, really, where they went 13-3, and three, but it was like 10 of those games were within a field goal or four or five points even. So a lot of really close ones that they're winning. Uh, looking ahead now, are there any games in this upcoming week uh, that the model's projecting that you're kind of hesitant to believe? Just as anyone who likes the Panthers, I would say I'm a little hesitant to believe that the Panthers have a, a chance at winning any game. Um, and that one will depend on Christian McCaffrey because right now the Panthers are favored um, at 66 to 34 to beat the Giants. But obviously, if they don't have Christian McCaffrey, uh, that number is going to change significantly. Uh, another tough one, I would say, is the the Chiefs. I'm really, I'm going to be really, really surprised if they lose to the Titans, but the model is quite positive that the Chiefs are going to lose to the Titans. That one's about uh, closer to 65-35, um, and, and that one feels crazy given the fact that we know the Chiefs are so good, and, but the Titans also did just get a very interesting result that really boosted their score. So that one's I'm a little bit skeptical of, but the reason the model isn't is because it's not obviously... You know, it's not watching the games like I am. It's not observing Patrick Mahomes. It's just very simply looking at his stat line, which is definitely down in most years. He's still having a great year by most quarterback standards, but it's not a great year by his standards. So I would say Chiefs-Titans is one that I'm really surprised. All right. Well, that's kind. Of, that's all I have uh, for questions for you. Do you have anything else you kind of want to add on the model or upcoming Week 7 or anything? Uh, no, not yet. No. You know, we do do a podcast and a a YouTube live stream called NFL Kickoff. We'll probably talk about it more on both of those. Um, Oh, we have a caller. We do not. Oh, we have a caller. Hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Uh, Always list, love listening to you guys. I do have a question about the uh, on the model. I don't think you touched on this. Do you have something in there about the weather or if it's a dome or d- do you go to that detail? No, that is absolutely a great question. It's something I do hope to address in the future. Um, again, it's kind of like the law of averages and I'm taking into account that you know, some, I think every team is likely to have a bad weather game at some point, and most teams, you know, are going to play probably a good portion of their games in, in fairly good weather. 
But no, I don't. Like, if it's a very windy, rainy, wet game, I don't have a great way to calibrate for that. And you're right. That is a good point to make. Um, it's not going to understand why Patrick Mahomes maybe had a down game because of external factors. So that will be reflected in its overall score. But no, it's not. I can't say um, this game is going to be 80 and sunny. And that's a disadvantage to the Packers versus it's going to be 40 and Aaron Rodgers is going to kill you all in the snow um, with his legs. So, no, I do not have a way of addressing the weather. Okay, I was curious when you said the Vikings from the NFC North, and I didn't know if the Dome had something to do with that. That's why I was asking. No, that's a great point. Um, And I think think that will be an interesting thing. I'm optimistic, not that the Vikings are going to go down, but that the Packers ought to at least catch them. Um, But yeah, no, that's a great factor to take into consideration. And I hope to, in the future, I'd love to be able to just spend all day working on this and trying to iron out some of the things and addressing things. Like offensive linemen, how can I grade them better? You know, is a touchdown really worth what I think a touchdown is worth, and how can I adjust that? So that's a good question, something that definitely needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, Tony, do you have anything else, or do you, uh, you think we're good to I think we're good to end here. That's all I have. I think we did a pretty good explanation of the model. Of course, we're going to keep doing podcasts on here. I really enjoyed this one. Are we going to plan to do one on here? I think we normally do them on Fridays. Uh, Yes, I'm hoping that we do one Friday. I'm also hoping that we might be able to do some more spontaneous ones, like reacting to big trade news or reacting uh, to Sunday Night Football. So we'll be on here pretty regularly because this is a platform that I think is going to, you know, is is very user-friendly, is very interesting, and allows us to get good questions. Like, I don't think I would have thought to talk about the weather had it not been pointed out to me that I kind of, you know, vaguely alluded to the weather, but then didn't really address it at all. Um, you know, that's a question that is, you know, I don't think I would have had, I don't think I would have even processed. And that's something that Colin allows us to do that other platforms really don't. So I, I enjoyed, uh, that aspect of the. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun. And I really am looking forward to doing our future shows. Uh, do we want to go ahead and say kind of what we have planned for our Friday show? So the viewers kind of know what's up. Uh, yeah, I believe we're planning on having a friend of ours come on, Campbell Jones. We're going to talk about college football. We're going to have a few debates um, and then just look ahead at the NFL slate and, and talk in more depth about some of the Yeah, I do believe. I think our debate, we decided our debate is going to be, is Lamar an elite quarterback? I think we're going to do that one on here. Uh, Campbell is going to go with the yes take. I am going to go with the no take. We're going to hash that out. We're going to bring a lot of stats. We're going to bring a lot of viewpoints. We're going to see what happens. It should be a really fun episode. Absolutely. And I will be the arbiter of justice as I am the reigning champion of the debate segment on our show because I absolutely destroyed Tony. In the- yeah, well, let's call for your first one where I destroyed you and the definitely fair argument that we had that I definitely didn't take the really, really easy to argue side immediately. <laughs> yeah, Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. That's not that's not a position I want to have to argue Julian Edelman. Into the whole thing. I gave up five minutes in because I realized, yeah, there's not a case here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're one and one. This one's going to be coming up next. I'm going to have to beat Campbell in this one. I've been arguing with Campbell for years and years, as anybody that knows Campbell and I will tell you. So this should be a good one. Now, our second debate is um, which quarterback is, is most deserving of MVP. I believe Campbell, the ever Cowboys Homer, is taking Dak Prescott. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Kyler Murray because I think it's it, it's a really interesting position and it'll be fun to kind of look into his stats because the guy truly is playing off the charts and I think I have a few interesting points. So that's a little teaser for the next episode. 
Um, but until then, we'll see you guys next time and take care, everybody. Thank you guys for listening.